This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. Well, we're finishing up a series called Be Grow. We've been talking all month about who we are as a church, our core values, that we are, we are Grow Church. And we've been digging into what this means as a church. And so I want to finish up this, this series today called Be Grow. The first week, we... Uh, we, del- we dove into the idea of knowing God and how important it is not just to know about Him, but to truly know Him and experience Him, His faithfulness, His mercy, His grace, His love. How many of you have experienced all those things? And so when you've experienced those things, you can truly tell somebody, you know what, I really know God. When you're in a growing relationship with Him, you can say that with all certainty. I know God because He's come through for me time and time again. Amen. And then uh, the last two weeks, we, we kind of broke it up in two sessions of growing in God. We, we noticed the importance of, first of all, knowing that eternal life is, is knowing Him, right? So John 17, 3 tells us, uh, let's look at that real quick. John 17, 3, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Now, this is eternal life that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. To know Him. And then we, we talked about the idea of growing in God. 2 Peter 3.18 tells us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. So we dove into the idea of growing. And we, here's what we kind of discovered together. That grace is, in essence, God reaching toward us. And the fact that He went to the cross. That He clothed Himself in human flesh. And the fact that He came to earth. He's reaching toward us. That's really what grace is all about. Amen? And then our growing in grace is us reaching back to Him. Acknowledging His grace. And then you know what? Our pursuit of Him is growing in grace. And the more you reach toward Him, the Bible says that He draws near to you. And the better you know Him, the more you experience His grace. And it's an awesome thing. Here's what happens. You become fully alive. Can anybody say, I'm fully alive this morning? What does John 10, 10 say? The, ki- the thief comes to what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm fully alive. Are you really? And so the only way to be fully alive is to know God and to grow in grace and knowledge. There's always an outcome of growing. There's fruit. However you want to describe it. You make the investment, and there's an outcome. You sow the seed, and there's an outcome, right? This is what growing in grace is all about. And so there's also the growing in knowledge. We talked about that, that God, God wants us to know Him in an intimate, close, and personal way. So this journey that you're on of growing involves discipleship. It involves becoming more and more like Him every single day. It also involves the Word of God, digging into God's Word, being grounded in His Word. It involves coming together like we did this morning and lifting our hands and and singing the songs of praise to God, lifting high His name in passionate worship. It also involves us getting on our face before Him and seeking Him in prayer. So today, I want to talk to you in this final series, on this final message of the series on sowing. So if you've been taking notes, it's know, grow, and sow. First week, knowing God. The second week, growing in God. 
And today, sowing for God. Isn't that great? So let's dive in today. And let's take a look at sowing. Because one of the things that we mentioned early on is you can't grow until you know. Right? That's important. And so today we want to talk about sowing. Some of the core values that we embrace in this idea of sowing, and we're going to talk about all of them today, is, I'll, I'll just name them for you. First of all, we're next generation focused. Secondly, if you're taking notes, we are, we exist to serve. You've already heard that mentioned today. And then there's this idea of stewardship, and then the idea of valuing all people, okay? And we're going to talk about each one of those. So, if we talk about the next generation, I'm, I'm reminded of, of some scriptures in Titus. We're going to take a look at those. The book of Titus talks about the older generation sowing in or imparting something into or investing in the next generation. So, if we value the next generation here at Grow Church, then what are we going to do? We're going to make sure that we invest in them or we sow into them. The beauty is how God set this up. How many of you are 40 years old and older? Let me see your hand. Just raise it up. How many of you have lived life? You've lived a lot in your life. You've made a lot of mistakes. Let me see your hand. You made a lot of mistakes. How many of you have, have made, made, made some good decisions? In other words, you have something to offer. You have experience to offer this younger generation. You have an, we have an opportunity to create an environment where we can help a younger generation maybe miss or overcome the pitfalls that we experience. So that's our desire, is to help you pour into the next generation. So let's look into Titus chapter 2, and let's read this together. It says, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, be, to be self-controlled, and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed, because they have nothing bad to say about us. So you see how this works. God has given me and the leadership of this church the responsibility of challenging you in, in the way we teach, but also the way we live to be examples, to pour in and sow into someone else. That's my job. If you look back at Ephesians 4, as a pastor, my job is to equip you for the work of ministry. Now you notice that Paul is telling Titus here to, to be sound in the doctrine. So we gotta, we got to know what we believe. we got to be solid in what God's Word says. That's why we're grounded in the Word. But then there's an opportunity for us to take what we know and what we've learned and have experienced and to sow it into someone else. Here in particular, it's the next generation. 
soundness of doctrine, soundness of speech, teaching them and be an example to them of what it means to truly be Christ-like. We have this opportunity to sow into the next generation. Because here's what I believe. I believe right here in our church, there could be the next Billy Graham. Anybody know who Billy Graham is? Just went on to be with the Lord recently. Can you imagine how many people, how the countless people he impacted over the course of his ministry? And if you pour into a, a next generation, there might be somebody right here under the sound of our voice to be that next great evangelist, to preach the gospel and maybe, maybe even spark a revival across the world. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it feel good to know that you had a part in that? Or there's so much disease in our world today, cancer, AIDS, all these other diseases. What if somebody in our church would be the next doctor to discover a cure for a disease? Would it be awesome for us to be able to say, you know what, I mentored, I poured into that young person, and now look where they are. This is the opportunity that lies before us, church, as being next generation focused. We have an opportunity to pour into the next generation and, and watch them do way more than what we could ever could. Amen? I was listening to a podcast the other day by a pastor named Brian Houston. Anybody, ever familiar, anybody familiar with Hillsong Church? We sang a couple of their songs this morning, Make Me a Vessel. So Brian Houston is the lead pastor of Hillsong Church, a global network of churches, a church that is, has global influence all over the world. And you know what he said? I was just listening to it this week. He said, if we create this opportunity where the next generation can flourish and we can discover their gifts and we pour into them, our ceiling becomes their floor. Y'all get that? In other words, what we've accomplished, if we will pour into them and dis help them discover their gifts and pray over them and watch God do something, they'll blow the lid off this thing. How many of you have kids? How many of you have, how many of you have good, good things you want, you want to see happen for your kids? Is it possible? I believe it is totally possible because the Bible says that when, when we are born in, in Psalms, it says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. In other words, you had a plan for me before I was even thought of. Do we believe that about the next generation? If we do, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be intentional and purposeful in sowing in to this next generation. But here's something else. As a, if, you, if you look back at Titus, you'll know that you can't give. Y'all hear me this morning? You can't give what you don't have. So if you're not in the word yourself, if you're not praying, if you're not worshiping God, if you're not sharing your faith, you can't expect to pour into anybody else. You can't give what you don't have. So you have to continue to value your own spirituality and your own walk with Christ. And therefore, what happens is God gives you something, right, to give to them. Amen. So as a church, we're going to be next generation focused. You heard Josh talk just a few minute ago, minutes ago about tonight. What an awesome opportunity to put what we're talking about today in action. Wouldn't it be nice if this sanctuary was filled tonight with worshipers of all generations? 
Because I'm, listen, I'm, I am an integral part of the student ministry. Your pastor comes on Sunday nights and plays keyboard for them. Why? Because I believe in them. I can't preach to you something I don't believe myself or I'm willing to do myself. So I'm going to be here tonight. And I'm going, to be on, I'm going to be worshiping God. You know why? Because I believe these kids pray. You ought to watch them. Come on Wednesday night. Just come one Wednesday night at about 6 o'clock. And go back to that, that very back room on the right. You'll see a group of kids. In a, they're, I mean, they're in a small, tight room going after God. For, for about an hour. Some of us can't even pray in an hour. And they're in there. They're not just... They're not just Oh, God bless us. No, they're going after God. So I can rest assure you, they've been praying for tonight. They've been preparing for tonight. So what if the, this church got behind this group of young people and said, you know what, we're next generation focused. We believe in this group. We're going to show up and we're going to worship God with reckless abandon. The generations worshiping together. Amen. Let me challenge you. Tonight, 630. Isn't it 630? 6, excuse me. Make sure I get it right. So we are next generation focused. We're going to sow into the next generation. This, this moves them to the next point. We exist to serve. Now, here's what I believe. And I, well, it's actually true. If I'm growing in Christ, the natural outcome is service. Amen? So let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness, tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Last week, we talked about what unifies the body of Christ. One faith, one Lord, one baptism. Our belief in the cross of Christ, our belief in the gospel is what unites all Christians around the world. So Paul's reiterating that in Philippians 2. We should have like-mindedness. In other words, we all have the same focus. We all have the same vision. What is that? To make sure that this church, this body, becomes just like Jesus. Amen. That's God's aim for us. So let's keep reading. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in Humility, value others above yourself. Are you watching and seeing servanthood emerge here? What does servanthood look like? It looks like humility. It looks like valuing somebody else as much as you value yourself. I heard one person say that servanthood or humility is not really thinking of your, less of yourself. That's not, that's not humility at all, is it? That's actually hidden pride. When you go around, when people go around saying, oh, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, uh, you, know, you know what they're really doing? They're really just searching for somebody. No, 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 you're, you're great, you're great, you really are. When in essence, in, in the reality is, if I view myself the right way, if I have a healthy view of me, then I can have a healthy view of you and I can honor you even above myself. So Paul's getting at this idea of humility, of thinking of others first. Because the other part of that is, it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Okay? 
So are you getting the picture of what true servanthood looks like in humility? And so he says, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In other words, be, care about what other people care about. All in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ. Last week we talked about a change of mind and how it impacts our behavior and growing. If I, become, if I continue to grow in, with the mind of Christ... There's going to be some outcome there. There's going to be a change in the way I behave. So verse 6 says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself of nothing by taking the very nature of a what? A servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So you see, true humility began to work itself out in action. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. What's his name? Come on, say it out. Is he worthy of our worship this morning? Absolutely he is. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue, anybody have a tongue this morning? Should acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If there's any doubt in your mind that Christ is who he says he is, Paul seals it up here. We acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. To, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, and not only in, in my presence, but now in much in more absence, continue. Look at this. Continue. There's that word. So are we talking about growing? Is growing does growing ever stop? No, so here's another opportunity for us to catch to latch on to what Paul's saying. He says, continue doing what? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. How many of you believe God's got purpose for you? He's got a call on your life. Do you believe that? The key is surrendering ourselves to his lordship. I need to let you in on something this morning, okay? You need to listen to your pastor. You're created in his image. You're not your own. Some of you believe you are, but you're not. And so when you acknowledge that you're created in his image, that you belong to him, you know what happens? You know what a servant does? A servant, they give up their rights. Now that doesn't sound too popular in our culture today, does it? Giving up our rights. But that's exactly what God wants us to do. Why does he want us to give up our rights? Because in verse 13, he wants to work in you to do his will and to accomplish his purpose in you. And here's what I know about his purpose. Ephesians 3.20 says he wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask or even imagine. So you think of the best scenario for yourself that you could dream up and it's nothing compared to what God wants to do through you. Amen. 
Y'all got to get this. I'm here to tell you today, we sell ourselves short by thinking we're the ones who are in control. But if I give my control over to the one who created me and knows me best, I guarantee you there's an awesome purpose and destiny in mind for you. This is what God has in store for you today. But you have to surrender. You have to say, Lord, I give up my rights. Mm, that's so countercultural. Because the world tells us, live for yourself. The world tells us, do whatever you can to climb the ladder. And this is, the, the mind of God, the mind of Christ, is totally countercultural. To go up, you got to go down. Why? I go down on my knees. I surrender to the Lordship of Christ. And what happens? Because I'm humble, what does he do? He raises me up. The Bible says he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So humility is a Christ-like trait. It's actually having the mind of Christ. And so if we exist to serve, this is our, this is our mindset, folks. This is how grow church, this is how we think. Because we know thinking changes behavior. So we exist to serve. Matthew chapter 20. Jesus was given a, a parable here. He's teaching, his, he's teaching his disciples a lot of stuff. Okay, and so maybe you, maybe you recognize this verse right here in, in the job that you're on. Maybe you're in leadership. Maybe you've got people over you. And this is, how, this is the environment of your, your business. So let's read this. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Anybody feel that way? That your boss or your, the leader of your company has his thumb on you? Anybody feel that way ever? What is, what is that? All that is, is a lot of insecurity. They don't know who they are in Him. Listen to me. Maybe, just maybe, God's positioned you in the place that you're at to help bring about change. Maybe, there's just maybe, you can influence your boss. That's going to take a change in mindset, isn't it? So I, if I can serve well... In my, under my boss, if I can lead well under him and even maybe influence him in some way with the way I behave and earn his trust and earn some influence, maybe God wants to work on him through you. That's good preaching, Pastor. Verse 26, not so with you. So he's saying, listen, this is how this, the world does it. This is how this group over here does it. We're not doing it that way, folks. We're going to have a different mindset. So watch what he says. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you. How many of you want to do great things? And we've pictured it a certain way to greatness. But God's giving us a clear path to greatness right here. What does he say? If you want to be great, you must be a, say it out loud, servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Now, here's the, the beauty of what God asks us to do. He never asks you to do something he's not willing to do himself. He's the perfect example of a leader because I, I saw a video, a picture on Facebook the other day. of, the, of the, It showed this meme of, of leaders. They got this, this group of people and they're holding up this big, huge, it looked like a, a big plank of wood or something. And on top of the plank was a leader. Really a boss, not really a leader, right? And all he's doing is barking out orders for them, and they're carrying all the weight. That's the first picture. That might be the boss we just described a few minutes ago. The other one was, the contrast to that was, the leader's not on top, he's in front. 
and he's helping hold up the weight. And he's saying, guys, let's go there together. Can you picture Jesus doing that on a cross? Bearing a weight, the weight of a heavy cross, and saying, look, I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to show you the way. Watch me as I go to Calvary. Watch me as I give up my life. Watch me as I turn over everything and and say, look, I'm going to give my life as a ransom for you guys. Because here's what he says. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Notice how countercultural servanthood is and the kingdom of God is. And this is the expectation that Christ has for each of us. Because Paul said it, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. The scripture is very clear of how we should conduct our lives, how we should behave. We have to be servants. So as a church, we're going to embrace servanthood. Why? Because we're growing toward Christ-likeness. There's some outcomes that I want you to see here as we grow as a servant. And we've embraced these. Humility. We've already talked about that. Honesty. It takes honesty to have great relationships, doesn't it? In other words, we tell the truth. Sometimes, even when it's uncomfortable, we tell the truth. Why do we do that? Because we're Christ-like. We're servants. And then, we're teachable. You, last week, we talked about growing. You, listen to me, folks. You cannot grow if you're not teachable. If somebody comes to you in a relationship, a loving relationship, and says, hey, Hey, I, I got some feedback I want to give you. And they may be, you know what, if, if it's not going to be something that, that great or positive, they're on, on the inside, they're probably nervous as they can be. Their heart's probably beating 90 miles an hour. Because they, they love you and they want to share God's best for you. But if they share it with you in love and you turn your nose up to it, ouch, that's not being teachable. Do you want to grow? How many of you want to grow? Be teachable. Trust. How do you get, earn trust? I like to say you, are, you don't have to earn trust. You, why don't we trust on the front end? I tell my kids all the time. I've told them since they were kids. I said, listen, Garrett and Tyler, I trust you until you give me a reason not to. You see the difference? I could have told them, you know what? I don't trust you at all, and you're going to have to earn it. There's a big deal. It's a big difference. What if we started our relationships with saying that? Listen, I'm going to trust you on the front end. And you're going to have to earn the untrust. That's good. The issue is, many of us have been so burned and so hurt by people, we're not willing to do that. We're not willing to be vulnerable and, and trust people. In, and we've probably even said it. I know I've probably said it. I'm never going to trust that person again. Or I'm never going to trust anybody again because you've been so hurt. Why don't we give that over to God and say, listen, I'm going to trust, even if it hurts. Because the reward of trusting far outweighs the the defensiveness and the the lack of communication and and relationship by not trusting. And then there's fun. How many of you like to have fun? Can Christians have fun? That wasn't very convincing. Can Christians have fun? I love my life. I love to have a good time. I love to laugh. 
I like to fish, but not in 32 degree weather. Wow. <laughs> I love it. The Wislowskis were out yesterday. What time did y'all get out there yesterday morning? 5.30 in the morning? What, what was the temperature then? Whoa, no way. You're talking about some commitment now to fishing. Nothing wrong with it. It's good to have fun, right? I want us to be able to have fun. We should have an atmosphere of fun. As a matter of fact, next Sunday night, I'm encouraging everybody in our church. You know what next Sunday night is? Anybody know what next Sunday night is? Super Bowl. Go Rams. Anybody, any Ram, anybody a Rams fan now? Any Patriots fans in here? Okay, so my Falcons aren't in it, so I'm going for the Rams. You know why I'm going for the Rams? Because I'm ready for the Patriots to stop winning. But, I, but here's what I am going to do. Sonny Michelle, anybody know who Sonny Michelle is? Played running back at Georgia. He's, he's the running back for the Patriots. I want to see him do well. I really do. But I don't want the Patriots to win. But on the flip side of that, the Rams have, anybody know who the Rams have? They have Todd Gurley, who was also a, a running back at Georgia. So this is the coolest thing. Two awesome running backs in the Super Bowl. So I can be proud. But I'm going for the Rams. But you know what? I encourage you guys, get together next Sunday night. Hang out. Have guacamole. Eat wings. We're, we're ending our fast that morning, right? So you don't have to worry about not eating stuff. Right? So I encourage you, have fun. Will you do that for me? Okay. We talked about excellence last week, communication. All those are, are traits of a servant. Somebody who's going to lead a life that honors God. We talked about excellence last week. I'm not going to go all into that again. Communication is so important in relationships, isn't it? Communication. You've got to have dialogue. You have to talk. You have to listen. A great servant is a great listener. Can I repeat that? A great servant is a great listener. You're not having communication unless you learn to listen. Amen. Okay, i got to move on. So i got two more i got to cover before we're done. So stewardship is the next one. Matthew 25. Let's read this together. And I've got I've to hurry. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, and each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Verse 16, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant 
you have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more. And they will have in what? Abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw out the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a, what a, just a very driving, poignant parable that Jesus taught. Now obviously we notice that this parable deals a lot with money, right? That's, that's what it was. A talent was, was a form of money, a currency. And the idea of sowing and reaping is in here though. You see that? And what's God's expectation of us in, steward, in stewarding His resources? Because here's what we've already discovered. Back in November, we talked about this in depth. Everything belongs to God. Agreed? Nothing you have is yours. He's just letting you take care of it. Your house, your car, the money you make, all of that. God has given you these opportunities to have resources. But they're not yours. And so the expectation that God has of us is, let's take what we've been given and do something with it. If I have a talent in my life, what's the expectation? I'm going to take that talent and I'm going to develop it. That's on me. You notice the, 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 the master here put a responsibility on his servants. God does the same thing with us. Is grace free? Absolutely. Well, it, actually, it is for us. It costs Christ his life. But here's, from there, there is a responsibility that each of us has. There is a responsibility for us to grow. We can't stay the same. And so how we grow is we sow, we invest, we steward what God's given us. So as a church, we embrace the idea of, of good stewardship. Not just money. We're going we're gonna to do our best to steward the resources that come in. We have a group of men who are honorable, who have in integrity, who have character, who help oversee the finances of our church. So we're trying to be good stewards. We're going to do something with this because we have a vision. We have a vision to see Grow Church expand, not just in Cherokee County, not just in the, in the nation, but all over the world. And God, what God is saying to us, if we'll be good stewards of the small stuff, you, you notice that? You've been, you've been faithful a little bit. You, see, you saw that more than once in the scripture. If you'll be faithful just a little bit, I'm going to give you more and more influence. I'm going to give you more and more resources. For what purpose? To expand the kingdom of God all over the world. God's called this church to that, that reality. That is the vision of this church. Is to, is to grow in, in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's our, our anchor scripture. And to help others do the same. And that doesn't just... 
is not just confined to Cherokee County. And so what God's saying is, five years down the road, God wants us to plant life-giving churches all over the country. You know what it takes to do that? It takes money. But that's not all it takes. We've got to have people to send. So you know what the plan is? Five years down from between now and then, there's going to be an intentional effort to grow people. To grow leaders. And here's the reality too. If we're already making disciples, it's just a natural outcome. If, we're, if we are focused on the great commission, God will give us leaders that will, that will be, rise up and say, Pastor, I'll go wherever God calls me to go. Wherever you say, I'll send me, I'll go. But you know what? Between now and then, God's called us to be good stewards. To manage his stuff well. To be intentional about developing leaders. To be intentional about uh, stewarding the finances here well. But you know what? It starts with you. You personally making a priority, stewardship a priority in your own life. What are you doing with your finances? What are you doing with the giftings and callings that God's put on your life? You've got to ask those, yourself those questions. Why do you ask those? Because remember what I said. You're not your own anymore. If you're a follower of Christ, you don't have the luxury of going your own way. That's hard teaching, but it's true. And so if I'm truly surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, if I'm truly a servant, I have surrendered my finances. I've surrendered my gifts and call and my talent to Him. And like I said, what He puts His touch on, what He puts His hand on, what He breathes on comes to life. And it will be absolutely amazing. It may not look like all you envision. But I guarantee you, it will blow your mind. Amen. This is Grow Church, folks. This is what God has in store for us. And we're in this together. Remember what Paul said to Titus? I, gotta, I have to be an example. I have to steward my finances, my personal finances well. I have to grow in my own ability. I have to, to see where I'm at right now and invest in my own giftings and talents. Why? Because I'm leading the way. I can't ask you to do something. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to be on top of that, of that piece of wood saying, let's go and, and, bear the, and add to the weight of your pressure. So I'm going to be out front saying, let's go. Are you hearing your pastor this morning? I'm speaking from my heart. But you have to catch this. The stewardship is a global, it's a church-wide endeavor. As well as an individual endeavor. So as a church, we're going to embrace stewardship. And the last thing we're going to embrace is the value of all people. Why is that so important for a church to value people? Why is it? Why is it so important to value people? Because we're in the people business. Right? We're not manufacturing anything. No, we, are in the, we have been called to the most important business in the world, and that's helping people discover faith in Christ and grow in Him. So we've got to, it's got to start with valuing people. And I need to ask you another question. Does God? value people a resounding yes 
Genesis 1.27. We are created in the image of God. That's why this week, I don't know if you saw it, and I hardly ever speak out politically on Facebook, but I don't know if you saw it. In New York, they signed a bill where a baby can be aborted right up to the time they're born. That's an atrocity, folks. And the church cannot stand for that kind of thing. I'm here to tell you, those babies are created in the image of God. And when we destroy them, we destroy purpose. So we have to, we can't help but to stand up for the life of an unborn baby. It's so, it's heartbreaking. It should break our hearts, folks, that babies are being killed. They're murdered. It's, it's, it blows my mind that a sea turtle, an unborn turtle, has more protection than an unborn baby. So we have to see people the way God sees them. As valuable. Turn to your name and say, you're valuable. God loves you. I want to see you the way God sees you. You know how I know he loves us and values us? Romans 5, 8. But God, with Christ, commended his love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, while we were being rebellious, while we were turning our backs on God, he died for us. That's the reality of who God is. So in this room, if you've ever felt devalued, if you've ever, has anybody has ever told you that, that you have no value, that you have no worth, you can't believe that. The scriptures are clear. You are his. You're his son or his daughter. And at the very basis, you have to get, grasp hold of that in order to live your life full of purpose. And so as a church, we're going to view people that way, regardless of race. Regardless of economic status. Regardless of your walk of life, we're going to value you. We're going to love you. And it's lived out according to Matthew chapter 22. We call this the great commandment, right? We talk about this a lot. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. With all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. You see that, folks. Christ wants us to see our neighbor the way he sees them. Now, your neighbor may be the most annoying person on the planet. Anybody got an annoying neighbor? Annoying coworker? Annoying family member? Annoying, no, I won't do it there. I won't say husband or wife. I won't say that. Can we look past the annoying behavior? Can we look past how they respond to us, past that, and see into them? A heart that really wants to be loved. A person that really wants to be accepted. Can we do that? As a church, 
It's our desire to embrace the value of all people. There are broken people in our society. Would you agree? Hurting people. And you know what? Hurt people hurt people. So sometimes when that person is mean to you, maybe you you dig deeper and find out why. Maybe there's a hurt that God wants to heal. Maybe you're that way. Maybe people think that about you. I hope not. But can you deal with your own hurt? Can you let God love you? Next month, we're going to be talking about love all month long. And I'm going to dig into this deeper. Because we're going to be talking in a couple of weeks about self-love. And somebody be like, self-love? No, just bear with me, okay? Because you've got to know yourself. You've got to value who you are. Because you are created in the image of God. Can you do that? Can you look in the mirror every morning and say, you know what? I'm created in the image of God. God loves me. I'm valuable. Can you do that? That's a great way to start your your day. Confessing who you are in Christ. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm created in his image. He loves me. I'm his and he's mine. Amen. That's what we want to do at Grow Church. If you sow into your family, I believe you'll reap the fruit of great marriages. I believe you'll have great relationships with your kids, cousins, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters. When we know God intimately for ourselves, when we grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus and sow into others by helping them become fully devoted, mature followers of Christ, we are being the church that God envisioned. Would you agree with that? We are being Grow church.